0: It's Jennifer Diane Gostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You, the listening audience, will have the opportunity through episodes in this podcast to learn, dissect, and grapple with some of the issues involving those of us separated from our biological family. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma? Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? This is Part 3 of Hyreth Hope and Healing. I hope you have had an opportunity to listen to Episode 120 and 121. My guest today will put the finishing touches on the NPE non-paternal event group that experiences much of the emotional labor surrounding misattributed parentage like that of an adoptee. My guest today is the founder of Hirath Hope and Healing, an organization whose mission is to bring a trio of communities together proudly highlighting their alliances and intersections. Her name is Erin Cosentino. Erin in her short bio states that in the last five years, she has become an advocate for adoptees, donor-conceived folks, late-discovery adoptees, and MPEs. Erin is a high school special educator, currently pursuing a master's in social work. She lives at the beautiful Jersey Shore with her husband, adult children, and her pup, Cooper. Allow me to introduce to you someone I look forward to meeting in person this year at Hyreth Hope and Healing's third and final retreat for the year during the month of October. I'll have the privilege of co-facilitating a session along with Kate Murphy from the Adoptee Voices writing group. Aaron, along with Cindy and Annie, make me feel so welcomed and seen in their group whenever we fellowship online or by phone. I believe this growth spurt that has happened to me in the last three months is proof of what working together can yield in a short period of time. When I think of there being power in numbers and stronger together, I can't think of a better group of individuals to walk hand in hand with. Erin, I am so happy to have this time with you and for us to be able to have a conversation about your journey as an NPE. And for my listeners, I'd like you to just explain what that acronym means and any other acronyms within the community.
1: Sure. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for having me. I really appreciate it. So I am an NPE. The acronym NPE actually dates back to a very old genealogical term. These um, folks that really loved to do the old pen and paper research, library research on family trees, created this term. And it was a non-paternal event, which really just signified any break in the familial line, typically the paternal line. In recent years, those of us that take a a DNA test and receive a, a surprise result have taken this NPE to a different explanation and it is not parent expected. I took a DNA test and I didn't get the parent I expected to get. So that is how we kind of molded that old genealogical term to to fit the scenario that we faced and found ourselves in.
0: Right. And I've recently learned of another acronym, MPE, which is kind of like an umbrella, right? Mm -hmm. Misattributed
1: parentage, MPE. So the subject or person had their parentage misattributed they were assigned uh, at at some point in time uh, birth or perhaps a a later adoption assigned a different parent than their biological parent
0: so we met a few weeks ago and it was actually before i was to go to a summit Mm -hmm. untangling our roots and i really was excited to meet you and annie and cindy as it related to me going to this, this conference, which, by the way, was wonderful. It was in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And what it was was two organizations, the National Association of Adoptees and Parents, collaborating with a right-to-know organization. And so there were going to be NPs there, donor-conceived. We were all coming together, I think, to learn from each other. And so meeting you and Annie like kind of got me really more excited about the summit Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and learning where there is this overlap between adoptees and NPEs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so what stands out to me, especially when I think of LDAs, I'm not a late discovery adoptee, but I think of the secrets, lies, and deceit. Clearly NPEs experience that. Yes. So that's one of the overlaps. And so what else comes up for me is ethnicity, identity, and the big one, trauma, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Would you say, and, and we're definitely going to get into wherever you want to start and however much you want to share about your story. But would you say that it was a traumatic event when you learned through DNA that who you thought was your biological parent was not. For sure.
1: Yeah. For sure. It, it It's very traumatic. Yeah. You know, you have the person or, or people in your life who you think you should have this unconditional trust in. And to learn, in my case, it was... 43, I was 43 years old when I discovered, you know, to discover that for 43 years, this secret had been kept from you was really traumatizing. For me personally, it caused almost a a shutdown. You know, my husband said to me at one point, very early on, within the first week, he said, you're not acting like someone who has just learned this should be acting my response to that was, how should I be acting? Like, I, I don't even know how I should be acting because I was presenting with this very calm exterior. Like, it's okay, I'm going to figure this out. You know, everything's going to be fine. But inside, I really was, what is going on? And, and what has happened? Why hold on to this? For so many years like why not tell me what could have been so horrible that you felt you couldn't tell me because there's so much important information as you know as an adoptee there's so much important information wrapped up in our DNA that if for no other reason no other reason whatsoever my medical information was paramount I have three children who are grown now, and there were no issues, thankfully. But had there been, this whole time, I'm giving doctors inaccurate information.
0: I like how you put that. There's so much wrapped up in the DNA. Yeah, Mm. of course, right? Ethnicity, medical information.
1: I spent a lifetime calling myself the runt of the family. My mother is just shy of of six feet. My birth certificate father was just over six feet. My father's parents were both very tall. My mother's father was very tall. He was like six foot four. My grandmother was very small. And so I spent my life saying, gosh, I'm just like your mom. I'm like the runt of the family because I'm this five foot five person. I'm like, where, where did I come from? My brother is over six feet. I sing, actually. I I went to college on a music theater scholarship. And I remember questioning, like, where, where did I get this voice? Because my mother can't carry a tune. My father's parents couldn't carry a tune. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody around me could sing. Right. And, you know, they freely said that. My birth certificate father's dad, my grandfather, sang everything pretty much all day. But he didn't sound so great. And it was beautiful because we loved him. So I, I spent a lifetime questioning. And, and then to discover this, so much wrapped up in our DNA, my biological father... Was a singer. Mm. So, P.S., not a very tall man. So, you know, spent my life thinking I'm a runt that has a voice in my biological father's family. I would have understood that. I would have known where those things came from.
0: Yeah, that resonates for most adoptees in reunion. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, that's where I got this from, or that's. Why my my teeth are that way or like all those physical attributes, but also the things that we like, you know, the things we enjoy, whether it's singing or whether it's playing sports. We learn in reunion where that came from that, like you said, so much is wrapped up in the DNA. Mm -hmm. I listened to a podcast, DNA Surprises, Mm -hmm. and it was so good. I believe the guest was Shannon and the host is Alexis, I think. Do you know who the host is?
1: Alexis Howerstel.
0: Yeah, she's so good. She had excellent questions. And one of the things they talked about is something called unthought known. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm learning so much and I want my listeners to learn right along with me.
1: Yes. So the unthought known To be honest, I'm not 100% sure where it originated. Mm -hmm. So the title of the book is NPE, A Story Guide for Unexpected DNA Discoveries. And it's written by Leanne R. Hay. And in this book, she talks about the unthought known, which is this thought that at some point or multiple points in your life, you thought, hmm, something's not right here, but you didn't know what it was until this revelation takes place. And then you look back and you're like, oh, that was one of those unthought knowns. Like, Mm. I couldn't put my finger on it. It was something slightly out of the ordinary, but not enough to make me really dive in and try and investigate what that was right like the fact that I never knew where my voice came from it was this unthought known like then I make this discovery and I can look back and say oh well when I thought of that you know it just kind of maybe it was one of those things like I got lucky and got a voice but then it comes to fruition and and all of those things make sense now after you've made the discovery
0: right Thank you for for explaining that. Yeah, cuz I mm-hmm. I thought that's a big term in the community and I need to know about that and it applies to us as adoptees and and I've talked to many late discovery adoptees that can identify with that. Something mm-hmm. just felt off. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You know, right. You, don't the, you
1: don't have the words to to even try and figure out why it's off or what it could be so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah well I think this is a good time to start from wherever you want and share with us your journey sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) when I talk about my discovery I, I often talk about a discovery that happened to my husband's uncle immediately preceding my discovery I've often explained that I was exhausted we had just come home from Disney And we had what I call the Disney hangover. You know, you need to sleep for like two weeks. I overheard my husband on a phone call with his uncle, who is the same age as us. And my husband was so distraught. And my immediate thought was something happened to one of his kids. And and I woke up immediately and I was in a panic. And when my husband got off the phone, he said, Danny just told me that Pop is not his dad. And I was like... Can you explain that, you know, a little bit better? And so he explained that, that Danny had taken this DNA test and it showed a half sibling and and his father wasn't his father. My immediate next thought was I have to get one of these DNA tests and I have to take this test because my grandfather, my birth certificate dad's father, truly was the light of my life. He was one of the most important human beings in my life. And I was raised knowing that he was a foster child. He grew up with a foster family. He was never formally adopted. I think it was like a backdoor adoption in the 1920s. He was born in 1923. And I, I think uh, this young girl said, I can't keep this baby and, and gave him to someone in her church family and So he was a foster child, and we didn't know anything about his biological family. And so I was gonna take this DNA test and I was gonna find out where we came from. I was going to discover who my grandfather's parents were, then therefore discover who I am and where I came from. And I told my mother, you know, that I was going to take the DNA test. And she said, well, I I don't know why you would do that. Like my family's my family. I I don't need to know. And I was like, okay, that's, that's you. This is me. I want to (laughs) know. Right. I took the test in mid-November. Two days after Christmas, my results were in. I had said to my family Christmas day, my mother was there, her husband was there, my stepdad. We actually were talking about what had happened with Steve's uncle. And I said, Mom, if there's any skeletons in your closet that you want to get out, now would be the time to do so. And she very jokingly said, well, you know, there may have been an affair or a few. I guess we'll find out.
0: Mm. What was your reaction to that?
1: It definitely scared me for a second. As a matter of fact, I, I pulled my stepsister into my room like two minutes later and I was like, she wasn't serious, was she? and my stepsister was like no definitely not come this is your mother we're talking about no 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 she was totally joking and i was like okay 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 so my results came back as i said 2 days later there were names that i didn't recognize but i had expected there to be names that i didn't recognize because of my grandfather and so i was texting my mom like oh my results are in and do you recognize any of these names? Even though my parents divorced when I was very, very young, my mother remained very close with my dad's parents. So I you know, was asking her, do you recognize this name, this name? No, 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 no. I think on day two is when I really started to open some of the family trees. As I opened the family trees on day two, I saw a name that I recognized. And I asked my mom about it. I said, do you do you think that Pa could have been related to his best friends? Because I recognize this name and that's the family name of, of his best friend. And my mother was like, no, I think that's probably just coincidental. Mm-hmm. And on day three, I really had learned about the Santa Morgans, and I thought, gosh, that match is really just too high for it to be a connection that many generations back. And so I said to my mom, is there a chance that daddy's not my father? And she said, yes, there is. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I said, okay, that means that this other person is my dad. And she said, yes, he is. She never wanted to tell me. You know, she she did say that it was a secret that she truly had planned to take to her grave, that she didn't want anyone to know ever. That she was very, very sorry that she made a mistake. And she kept saying that over and over and over again. I'm so sorry, Erin, it was a mistake. I'm so sorry, I made a mistake, it was a mistake. We shouldn't have done that. We made a mistake, it was a mistake. And I and I said to her, Mom. I need you to reframe that because I can't listen to you say anymore that it was a mistake. What was she saying was
0: a mistake? Lying to you or deceiving you?
1: Just kind of all of it.
0: All of it. Okay. But she'd never lied about lying, if I'm hearing you correctly, right?
1: She never lied about lying?
0: Yes. When you first asked her, she just told you. The truth, right?
1: Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. She did. Mm-hmm. She absolutely did. You know, she told me some other things about how long it had been going on, and you know how she never told anyone. No one ever knew. In those first few conversations, within the first after she told me for the next two to three days, it, she kept talking about the mistake, and that's when I said, "I, I really need you to reframe this right. because." You didn't make a mistake. It's not a mistake. That wasn't a mistake. Because if that was a mistake, then I'm a mistake. Mm. And I am not a mistake. I am meant to be here for whatever reason it is. I don't know yet, but I am meant to be here and I'm not a
0: mistake. I like that, Aaron. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. You really took agency there
1: i did and you know my mother and i had a weird dynamic you know my whole life we had a weird dynamic i love my mother dearly but my mother had very high standards and if we didn't meet those standards she let us know and so our relationship was very like me seeking her approval and her validation and not wanting to upset her and not wanting to anger her so for me to then have this conversation with my mother where I'm telling her, like, you need to stop. You cannot say that anymore was really, really big for me personally as as her daughter, because I had never really gone back at my mother like that. You're right. I really did take agency and ownership and let it be known what I needed to happen.
0: Right. You know? Did she receive that? You wanted it reframed?
1: She did. She apologized and, and she agreed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but there were other things that I wanted to talk about that I I wanted answered that I wanted to know about. The unfortunate part there is my mother has told me everything that she's going to tell me about it. And there is no more room for additional questions that i may have like that door is closed it's not going to be discussed by her anymore
0: oh she said that
1: she didn't come right out and say that i know that there are no additional questions that i could ask her that that she would provide answers to because probably about seven or eight months after i had made my discovery i said hey you know i i just i wanted to know if if you come across anything that belonged to him, you know, that's like still in my baby book or anything like that, I don't want you to get rid of that. I, I want to hold on to that. And she said, I I thought you were over this. Mm. And I said, I'm as over it as I'm ever going to be. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I'm not over it yet. So the the door might be closed for, for Q and a with you but I still have a lot of work that I need to do to kind of figure all of this out.
0: And this all happened within like the last five years, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. I turned a whole hand. I turned five on December 27th. (laughs) That was my fifth rebirth day.
0: Right. Wow. Mm -hmm. That, That feels still kind of recent. What, what do you think?
1: I think in a lot of ways it feels like yesterday Mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways it feels like I've known forever. So it's a very weird dynamic, a very weird dynamic. I'm not in reunion. Of course, going into it, I had this very romanticized Mm -hmm. view of how things were going to go and they didn't go that way at all. I speak to... Uh, my siblings. uh, He has two additional children that came after me. And I do speak to them occasionally, my brother more so than my sister. But he did not like that I contacted my brother and sister. That really made him very angry. And he called me selfish and self-centered, told me that my behavior had crossed a line for him, and he had no use for me. Mm -hmm. So that door, that door closed December, January, February, March, April, May—five months after my discovery, that door closed.
0: Mm, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah,
1: thank you. That you know it, it, and it, and it is hard. It, it was much harder when it happened. But there's nothing that I could do to make him a happy man. So I just have to really remind myself that us not having a relationship really is his loss. It really is. My door is open.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I would be happy to speak to him if, if he had a change of heart and wanted to talk to me. And but that it could happen. Much, yes. it, it absolutely could happen. Yeah. It absolutely could happen. Mm-hmm. But I will say that, that if the day comes that that ever happens, that would be a relationship based on my terms, my boundaries. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how have you best navigated this information over the last five years? I'm sure there have been tools you've used.
1: I found a group of people that had made the same discovery, formed some pretty amazing friendships with them. I tried therapy. It was in the early days of of NPE discoveries. And so I found a couple of therapists that were in over their head in trying to help me to navigate this. I got all of the typical platitudes like your your dad's still your dad. um it doesn't change anything, <laughs> and so for me personally, I have found my greatest healing has come from being among other people that this has also happened to that for me really has has been the game changer and and life changing for me for sure, yeah. And also looking back and, and kind of doing your own work, I often talk about how there's the generational trauma and there's some people that are going to heal that and there's some people that aren't. And so I think sometimes we are left to, excuse the expression, we're left to unpack the shit that other people cannot or will not.
0: Mm.
1: You now, working through things that, hadn't been healed that should have been healed and and really digging in and and doing the work to do that so that I don't make the same mistakes yeah as a human as a friend as a partner as a mother but I would definitely say that being among people who get it has been my greatest source of healing
0: yeah I would agree with that I know when I was at the untangling our Roots summit I just thought us all coming together we have the potential to heal even more. I just remember sitting in the room and hearing NPE stories and thinking, yeah, this, this work that we as adoptees do is some of the same kind of work that your group does. Just yeah. being, yeah, I felt like, yeah, I belong. I don't have to fit in. I use the word manage. I don't necessarily think I get over a lot of things. I learned to manage and live with them. Yes. Yes,
1: yeah. I'm so excited for you to come to Tennessee to see that on such a—I don't want to say uh, smaller scale, but on a different scale, right? Mm-hmm. So the the work that we do with, High with Hope and Healing is by design much smaller. Mm-hmm. We max out retreats at 30 people for that true togetherness. We say togetherness heals. That's what helps so many of us heal. And so that's, that's how we talk about it. Togetherness heals mm-hmm. and being together in, in those smaller, more intimate groups allows for greater intimacy and vulnerability, not being afraid to share your story on a, on a deeper, more personal level. So I'm, I'm really proud of the work that we've done with High Hope and Healing and in, in 2019, Cindy and I met up. It was really cool to be in a room of people who, who just get it, where you didn't have to explain. And it was just for a few hours. And so that night, as as we were heading to, to bed, I just said, that was really such an amazing feeling. and And I want to do more of it. What do you think about doing a retreat? Thankfully, Cindy was... Cindy was all in and in six months we had a retreat planned and, and we held our first retreat. Getting to, to bring those communities together, the, the adoptees, the donor conceived folks, the late discovery adoptees and NPEs, getting to bring them together in, in such a healing space where we can really highlight the alliances and the intersections of the different dynamics that happen really is just so incredibly powerful. You know, I talked earlier about my mother saying that it was a mistake, and and me saying to her, "It wasn't a mistake because I'm not a mistake. I'm here for a reason." I truly believe five years after that conversation, that, that this is why I'm here. I'm here because I was meant to find these amazing people and bring, you know, a greater healing to our communities.
0: I love that, Aaron. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, when I became familiar with um, Hyreth Hope and Healing, it was through Kate Murphy. She did a retreat with your organization last year, and I had the intentions of being a part of it last year, and I couldn't. This year, when she mentioned it to me, I was like, I gotta go, because, you know, of course, I'm in Tennessee already, so it's not a big stretch, maybe three hours, I think, for mm-hmm. me. And I'm so excited to be a part of that. I think it's in October. It is.
1: Yes. I'm, and I'm so excited to get to meet you in person and share space with you and, and learn with you and grow with you. Yeah. I'm beyond excited.
0: Yeah. It's going to be great. And when I was at the summit in Louisville, that's exactly what happened. I had met people online for a year and some even longer than that, talked by phone, really got to know them. But to be in the same space, face-to-face, was just over-the-top good. It's good to be in person. I say that a lot it's, on here. but I know mean,
1: it. I completely agree. Part of High Hope and Healing also is that we have twice-weekly Zooms. So we meet every Wednesday and every Saturday. Anybody who wants to come, they can share. I say share what's happy or heavy on your heart. Whatever you feel called that you need to share. And we also host a book club once once a week we say repeatedly on these things like nothing beats in-person connection Mm -hmm. so you know come to a retreat go to these events that people hold and be with your people in person because there is nothing better than doing that in my opinion there is no greater healing and i need to say like i believe in therapy i wholeheartedly believe in therapy so much so that i'm I'm going back to school to get my master's in social work. So I, I'm not saying don't go to therapy. <laughs> i'm I'm absolutely saying therapy is an amazing tool, and you should do it. But in my opinion, nothing beats being in the same room with other people who inherently know the traumas that you've gone through, and you don't need to explain them. There's just unconditional acceptance.
0: Yeah, I believe there are so many different types of therapy. Just like Adoptive Voices writing group created by Sarah Easterly, where Kate Murphy and I co-facilitate, that feels so therapeutic to hear writers read their words aloud. There's so much healing in that for them and for us facilitating the group. So there's a lot of ways that therapy can manifest itself and I certainly believe in professional therapy as well it was quite beneficial to me last year and I hope to do that again and that leads me to my next question what sparked the togetherness heals book club on facebook
1: what sparked book club ironically in the the beginning of the call I mentioned this NPE a story guide for unexpected DNA discoveries somebody posted that in one of the online forums that, you know, that I'm a part of. And I was like, well, hmm, that seems like a really inter- like, I feel like we should read that together and then talk about it again, like how similar the journeys were and the feelings that, that we felt. And that's literally how Book Club was born. I thought it was going to be, let's read this one book together, go our merry way and continue with our Wednesday, Saturday Zooms but it, it didn't. It, did, like, it just didn't go away. And so we read several NPE books because that's what we started with. And so that was the majority at that time of folks who were coming to book club. You know, we were kind of getting to the end of NPE books. And I, I said to them, there's all these other amazing books out there written by adoptees. How about if we bring them in? Because we can continue to learn about the adoption experience. We can stay together and and continue reading and again, highlight the alliances and intersections between the the two groups. And and we've read books about donor conception as well. And then in January, for the very first time, Book Club asked if we could bring a self-help book into it. And so we read What Happened to You by Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce Perry.
0: Oh, I love that book.
1: And that was really, really amazing. And starting this week, we're going to be reading It Didn't Start With You
0: Mm.
1: by Mark Wolin. Some people had really wanted to read The Body Keeps the Score. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Some other people said, hey, that book's really triggering. Mm. You know, it, it actually was written as a clinical text. It's probably a little bit difficult for people to digest in book club without a therapeutic element. We tabled that book, and somebody suggested It Didn't Start With You was a a really good, similar book.
0: Right. Do you have a fair number of adoptees in the book club? So book club is not huge
1: at all. Mm -hmm. We have probably about 12 or 15 folks that regularly attend. There's always room for more adoptees. We have about five, five adoptees that come regularly.
0: Oh, good. Mm -hmm. And the other
1: really cool thing about Book Club, I think, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, is that with the exception of the what happened to you and it didn't start with you, I've been able to get the author to come on each time for a book talk and Q&A.
0: Yeah, I love that part. I missed the one with Emma because I read The Gathering Place and I had intended Mm -hmm. to to be there. That would have been nice.
1: Well, I think we're going to do her second book, so you can catch it on round two.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, because I read A Fire Is Coming. Mm-hmm. She's such a great writer. She is. Well, I just love that you put that together, and the title Togetherness Heals is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great title. Uh let's see. Why do you think, well, I guess that's the reason because togetherness heals. I was going to ask you, why do you think it's beneficial for us to come together? Can you think of any other reason besides not having to fit in that you just feel a sense of belonging? Is there anything else that comes up for you? I think education,
1: advocacy as well. I'm not ashamed to admit that five years ago, I subscribed to the sunshine and rainbows narrative of adoption.
0: Mm. Thank you You for sharing that.
1: Yeah. You you couldn't convince me that adoption was trauma
0: right? because
1: where else were you going to go by sitting down and stepping back and listening to the lived experiences of so many adoptees? I learned that I was a fool (laughs) that I had a lot to learn about adoption and the trauma of adoption and the primal wound, you know, the the lack of genetic mirroring, all of these things that make people who they are as a result of so much being wrapped up in your DNA.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So I think that's a really important element of all of us coming together as well is to learn that although we have so many things that are so similar that there are differences and we need to not dismiss or minimize those differences, but we need to use them as avenues to learn. Pirate Hope and Healing as a whole, now that we know what the word mate means in the adoptee world, we have come to use that for NPEs, donor-conceived folks, coming together in those healing spaces, we're all crib mates, because even though we have differences, we have so many similarities. You don't need to be an adoptee to another adoptee to be a crib mate. I view view a donor conceived person as my crib mate. Yeah. So, you know, we borrowed that word. We borrowed that word from adoptees with the permission of several adoptees. We didn't, you know, just do it to, to
0: offend anyone. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you know, I'm sorry. No, go. You know what has happened for me? Like I was telling you, I was listening to DNA Surprises, the podcast. Listening to, to that episode today, well, first of all, when I found it, I saw several others, right? And I, I said, you know... I don't know if I would be listening to this if I hadn't met Aaron, if I hadn't met Annie, if I hadn't been a part of the summit where I got to meet a lot of NPEs. I don't know if I would have turned to it. Right. And when I was listening today, especially when the guest was talking about reunion, Mm -hmm. so many of the same things or similar things come up for adoptees in reunion. And even you've expressed it, like secondary rejection we sometimes experience when we Mm -hmm. learn who we're biologically related to. That would go under with education
1: that Mm -hmm. you describe.
0: Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. We don't know that we don't know something. And Uh yeah, and I just felt myself more connected than ever when it comes to the human condition and how... There are things that happen, say, in our adoptee community that also happen in your community and how people are best navigating it or, or managing it. It's just so much to learn. Yes. Yeah. I do want to honor your time. So I only just have a couple more questions. What do you see in the future when it comes to high with Hope, and Healing? Do you have something that comes to mind about we'll say where you see it going in the next few years, getting bigger maybe, or do you want to keep it s- small or doing conferences? So we very recently
1: received word that we are an approved 501 C three. So that's very exciting for us. I would love to be able to write grants to make Kyra's hope and healing more accessible and equitable for folks who need assistance in order to come and heal with us. So that's one thing that I, I really would love to be able to do. We host three retreats a year, fall, the spring, and the summer. We will stay small by design. You know, we will leave the conference planning to the other folks in our community because I think that there's space for all of it mm-hmm. and and there's a need for all of it. You know, some people focus on education, some people focus on advocacy. We are really committed to these small group healing opportunities. I see us continuing along the path that we're on of, of hosting three retreats every year and and making it to as many states as we possibly can so that it's a little bit easier for folks in all different areas to to come and heal with us.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I just appreciate you taking the time out to have this conversation with me. And I will include in the show notes that book you mentioned. I think that would be a valuable resource to adoptees as well. I think there's things that we could learn From that, because the language is important, right? We've, I think, all figured that out. And when I heard "unthought known," I said, "Hmm, I need to know about that." And I think that adoptees experience that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And there's so much more to learn as well. So, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share?
1: I think that I would love to do a little bit more research. And and this thought literally just occurred to me as you said that. I want to do a little bit more research and see a comparison between ghost kingdoms and unthought um, known. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that is an alliance and an intersection.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to look into that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank
1: you for helping that thought to pop into my head just now.
0: Well, we co-created it, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. Thank you again.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Decades ago, I wrote these words in my journal My success is directly related to my ability to identify and utilize all of my resources, quote unquote. I believe high With Hope and Healing is a valuable resource to the adoptee community. Erin is an adoptee advocate. I appreciated her sharing that before her NPE discovery. She admittedly bought into the untruthful narrative about adoption. It was through working with Cindy and hearing from other adoptees that her views began to change. She's thankful that adoptees are sharing our stories and centering the adoption narrative. It has given her insights she sadly didn't have prior to 2017. It's interesting how pain can produce purpose, especially when we decide to do something about it. I felt Erin's strength and agency to set boundaries with her mother when she said, I'm going to ask you to stop saying that what happened was a mistake. I am no mistake. MPEs, NPEs, DCs, and of course, adoptees are not a mistake, no matter the backstory or the truth of our beginnings. Thank you, Erin, for having this conversation with me. You are just the person to help us all add to our vocabulary and have the language to better describe some of our experiences. I have new words. Unthought known to describe a feeling of something being off, but not knowing exactly what it is. Thank you for creating a book club, Togetherness Heals, that I look forward to being a part of with you and other members of our community. I especially look forward to joining Kate Murphy to give a session titled Writing as a Healing Tool in October in Tennessee for your third retreat this year. I feel the best is yet to come with the in-person retreat, continuing to meet online and staying connected in all the best ways that we can from here on out. If you like Once Upon a Time in E Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow and or give a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I hope you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it, because word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the show. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash land. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community. Thank you so much for being here.